0: Really, I don't have grievance with people. I have my players. But I, Uh, we don't talk a lot about the people out here outside this building. um, You guys covered us last year. Remembered after the Tennessee game, I walked in that press conference and I said that, you know, you guys don't get to write the story of the 2022 football team. And um, that wasn't a grievance with with anyone outside this building. It was. no one in this, no one cares and works harder and is more invested in what we're doing than the people in this building. And uh, um, we write the story. And right now our story isn't good enough, but we get an opportunity to finish it the right way. So, you know, people on the outside, people pay a lot of money to um, come to these games and they have the right to criticize me all they want. That's part of the job and and people can, um, say what they want, you know, but I'm always going to have my players' backs, love them deeply, and, and uh, we'll always defend them, and hopefully they.
1: All right. Welcome back to the GameCockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GameCockScoop.com on rivals. Um, it is GameCock versus GameCock Root Week. <laughs> um, first time in history, uh, very historical uh, week here in Colombia, Um, and I, I titled the episode Gamecocks versus Gamecocks versus themselves. Cause I also feel like more than anything, uh, it's really a week to kind of figure out what is working, what is not, and see if you can get a little bit of momentum going, uh, down this four game home stretch to end the season, maybe make a bowl. We'll talk about that a little bit. That's going to be really tough to do. Uh, even, um, Shane Beamer admitted yesterday that you have to win one to win four, uh, so maybe it's not the best to look too far forward on it. Um, but yeah, I started with that clip because uh, I heard there was a really crazy rant um, <laughs> that it apparently in the Upstate it was really into uh, this week in the Upstate, um, and yeah, I, I, Shane Beamer kind of danced around it a couple times uh, through the press conference yesterday which I thought was kind of entertaining. But if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, uh, go look up Dabo Tiger Calls or whatever. Just Google it. uh, Or Tyler from Tiger Calls. Um, Actually, our uh, rival site, Tiger Illustrated, did an interview with Tyler from Spartanburg um, yesterday, which you can find on their site. If you are subscribed to GameCockScoop.com, you can add the feature uh, called Spy on Your Rival, and it lets you read all of... Clemson's uh site uh premium stuff as well which that is also quite topical
2: right now in college football the title of that promotion spy on your
1: rival yeah uh that's if you you want to
2: be connor stallions and you're subscribed to game scoop we do have an option for you
1: yeah and it's only two dollars a month so way cheaper than buying sideline passes or whatever (laughs) um I guess let's start there since I we will obviously get into the breakdown of the Jacksonville State Gamecocks uh and you know what's at stake this week and and what to expect and all those sorts of things but you know it's kind of a a slow week it's uh power a G5 opponent you know whatever uh, I I'm sure a ton of people aren't uh, looking through the depth chart of Jacksonville State right now and just foaming uh, at the mouth at, at what's going on there. So let's talk a little Tyler versus Dabo for a second. Um, what was your, I guess, take on that whole situation on Twitter? So, again, if you guys missed it, Dabo basically went off on a caller uh, on Tiger Calls, which is similar to Carolina Calls. Um, they do it on Monday nights instead of Thursdays. But um, went off and basically the caller had asked him, why why he makes so much money uh, for a four and four start to the season or something like that, which, you know, that's definitely a message board sort of uh, response. Um, I don't know. I've, I saw a couple of people on Twitter, including um, some Gamecock fans kind of justifying Dabo's response. I saw some other people saying he was kind of whiny. Did you, did you have a take on it, I guess?
2: I, I think the... I use the word take loosely is just Jabbo just knows what he's doing. Like, I guess I, I think this is probably more calculated than people think we, we talked before we started recording about a Dabo ran from back in the Spurrier days after they'd lost a few in a row to South Carolina. Um, you saw earlier this season, some of the comments about you don't need to lighten up the bandwagon. I just, he knows what he's doing. He's been doing this long enough. Um, I'm not going to go as far as saying that Tyler from Spartanburg is a Clemson staffer who was trying to get Dabo to say something, but also I think there's a good chance, dabble when they're wanting to say something like that, and maybe got an opportunity and took advantage of it.
1: Yeah, I don't know that it had anything to do with the specific person, but you know, if I'm going, if I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on for a second, <laughs> uh, we know that they have like call screeners on those sorts of shows. I'm sure they let someone through that was going to ask a negative question, uh, and he already had a little bit of a a response ready to go maybe it wasn't going to be 5 minutes worth of that right. but he, he had a lot of those stats que- queued up and and ready to go um, i do like how he a- tried to act like he didn't know all of it off the top of his head like he, he's not just like constantly thinking about how he's hesitating he a little bit <laughs> um, yeah i mean i don't really like dabo uh, i mean he's fine whatever like he he's doing he's doing the thing but to me, the whole shtick always came off a little as ingenuine. Um, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Uh, that's me growing up a South Carolina fan and maybe uh, whatever. Uh, but the <laughs> the the response itself, I thought, was like, I guess, justified in the sense of you. He, he's the most successful coach in clemson history certainly in recent clemson history like you said it's been there's it 35 years in the desert or whatever of them chasing a national championship after the 1985 one and then they've gotten two in the last seven years you know all, all that stuff that he said is true um and so to me he's built enough credibility to have a bad season or <laughs> two or three you know yeah. um and so that's just the nature of college football right now. I think, or just anything really, is um, people only remember what's happened most recently. You know, you are your last game and and all that sort of stuff. Um, at the same time, I think that's the nature of the beast, and uh, maybe Sweeney should cry into his millions of dollars or something. Well, of- I, there's that for sure. Uh, I definitely won't dispute that. I also think there is an
2: element of this where it's one thing to have a bad season, which Clemson's four and four right now. It is another thing to, I guess kind of the way he's gone about it, kind of some of the stubbornness we talk about the stick or whatever. Um, it's a lot easier to defend Dabo if he's doing the things he should be doing. It's harder to defend a four and four roster. And you had quite literally zero transfer portal players come in, in modern college football. I think it's where the frustration comes in. If you're a Clemson fan and that I, don't disagree. I mean, Dabo could have won ten national titles before the bowl
1: became a thing. The hiring from within, and then yep. that hasn't that worked the first time. And and honestly, uh, that was another thing that he, I guess he said in the rant. He was like, "I hired Tony Elliott, and he had never caught a play in, a play call in his life, and then we won two national championships with him." It's like, okay, that worked out for you in that instance. But did you learn the wrong lesson from that? Because that still seems like that probably wasn't the right call. Now, granted, they went out and got a real offensive coordinator this offseason, so, you know, whatever. We'll see how that all plays out. But I think the thing that rubbed me the wrong way about it was just his haughtiness and, like, his his idea that he was above reproach in some way. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, I do agree that he's – Bought himself enough credibility at this point to go, yeah. He can go four and eight, and he would still be fine, in my opinion. So, oh, he's not gonna get
2: fired. There's
1: no, he's got all the leverage of the contract, he's won national titles, plural. Like, there's nothing about that.
2: It's more just like at one point, and this is where also I think Clemson had to get a new AD who is pretty young by AD standards. I think he's like 40, also comes into this. Um, he's gonna have, if you want to get back to where you were, he's gonna have to do some stuff this offseason he's probably gonna have to shake up the staff a little bit he's gonna have to get i'm not even talking about go Dion and get 60 players in the portal i don't think anybody thinks any bad. like
1: it can't be zero um and that's just gonna be a wait and see thing that you yeah. can't answer now and we'll see what happens i mean he's either gonna have to evolve or take that 11 million dollars and go chill somewhere or whatever but <laughs> um yeah so we'll, we'll see how that plays out but i thought that was entertaining and then uh, as far as Beamer's response, he basically just said uh, he cares about defending his players but doesn't get his own feelings hurt. I don't know how true or not that is. Everyone kind of sees what is said about them uh, online, especially if you're in that high-profile role. I'm, I imagine some of it probably sneaks through every now and then, but I think that that was a very good measured response from
2: Beamer. We got the story about his son, which might have been the best moment of the year in that room press conference wise if you guys didn't see it he was he was going to that point he was talking about how he can handle criticism he even gets from his own family so his son who i think's in middle school maybe elementary has some kind of like halloween parade every year and i encourage you to go back and watch the video if you haven't whereas like everyone the kids are in costume they do like a lap around the school track or whatever and beamer said he went last year because halloween was on a monday and that's south carolina's off day um he didn't he wasn't told about it this year because it was on a Tuesday and that's obviously a work day for him. Um and we was asking his wife why he wasn't told about his kids' Halloween parade. Apparently Hunter Beamer chimed in and said, because you're two and six need to be in the office working.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, which we've we've heard that a few times now that uh that Hunter is quite the critic, which um <laughs> he has the the makings of a, a sports journalist, it sounds like to me. Um <laughs> uh yeah so it's we talked a lot about this on monday if you want to go back and listen to that episode but it's definitely a low point um yeah but i don't know that we're ready to call it a breaking point at this point no. and um yeah got to go back to work and we'll we'll see how that starts to, do, to play out this week i do subscribe
2: to something else shane beamer said uh yesterday about you can't win four games in a row without winning one in a row. I know it's cliche. I know you guys don't want to hear that. I know beating Jacksonville State doesn't fix whatever's gone wrong the last two months. I understand that. But like, all you can do is win the football game Saturday. All you can do is play well Saturday is get healthier in practice is do the things you have to do. And I'm not going to come on here and say that if they beat Jacksonville State, they're going to a bowl game where they're going to win the next three. But You can't go to a bowl unless you beat Jacksonville State. That's kind of all that really matters. We're talking about this week's game, this week's show specifically, podcast-wise.
1: Yeah, no, it it would be a good start. Um, So I guess that's a good way to start to transition into talking specifically about this game. Um, Last night, uh, you wrote your first kind of preview article on it, and it had a lot to do with where South Carolina is injury-wise and some of the adjustments that are being made. Uh, because of those injuries, also because, uh, as we talked about on Monday, you're starting to turn the page a little bit towards some of the youth uh, on the team and, and seeing setting yourself up, I guess, for, for next year. Um, can you give us a quick breakdown of where the injury report's at and, I guess, some of those personnel changes that we might expect to see?
2: Yeah, so injury-wise, pretty much the only concrete thing we got um, yesterday out of Shane Beamer is that Trey Jones is out he did say Juice Wells is getting closer and closer. I don't know what that means at this point. Um, I wouldn't expect him this week. We'll see. He said he did confirm that Case and Henry and Vershon Lee both practice. We've heard Case and Henry's been practicing since Missouri week. I think he's really close. My only question, Case-wise, and, and I don't know the rule—is are you allowed to redshirt two years in a row? Because obviously he took a normal redshirt last year. Would they be allowed to medical redshirt him this year if he didn't play five games? And if that's the case, he's already played in one. So you'd have to sit one more the rest of the year if you wanted to try to pursue a medical redshirt. Uh, he last couldn't play year, it off.
1: Last year, he took just a regular freshman Yeah, shirt. he just played only played in two games. He wasn't you hurt. Can, you can get a medical redshirt still. So if
2: that's something the staff wanted to pursue, he would still have to sit out one more game, whether that's this week or another week. Um, I don't know if that's something they do want to do, but that's, I think that's worth noting. Virtual on lead practice this week. Shane Beamer said after AM he was hopeful about getting him back. Um, and then we talked about the rest of the stuff Sunday with, or on the Monday show with Trey Knox and Leggett.
1: Yeah. Um, any, I guess, specific ways that they're addressing some of those injuries that, um, you've picked up on the early part of the week?
2: Um, I think it just kind of goes to some of what I wrote yesterday. Just, you gotta get creative. We are, and those words came out of Beamer's mouth. They said, I asked him about, He said, we gotta get creative. Um, whether that's the different offensive line combinations, you're going to see a ninth difference starting five and five games next week uh, or nine games next week with Trey Jones out. Um, I thought the direct snap stuff that Joyner was good. We talked about that on the Monday show, but he's good in that role. It's a change of pace from Mario and Juju. Um, something Joiner pointed out is that it gives him an extra blocker because obviously you don't have a quarterback and a running back on the field on a play like that. Um, and then I think this – I'm interested to see where some of this – Three, I guess I didn't think of it in these terms, but Stone Blanton said those third down packages are basically running a three-three five, which is a completely different scheme from the regular four two five Clayton white widespread. You're not doing that every play, obviously. Um, but that is I guess I I knew it, but I didn't actually process it till Stone Blanton used the term three three five yesterday in the presser. And you start kind of looking at it, you look at you know, Nick Barrett playing nose tackle, things like that. Um I don't hate it.
1: Yeah, I, I had the same reaction to him. Like straight up calling it a three-three-five, where I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess that is what they were doing on some of those those third downs." Um, which, funnily enough, back when we were worried about the edge position and like talking about um, some of the multiple things they might have to do to cover up uh, the edge depth, which of course they went in the portal and, and fixed a lot of those things after we talked about that. But we talked about one of the solutions might be to go three-three-five and get some of your tweeners like. Well, it was Jerron Willis um, on Saturday, but uh, you also had like Donovan Westmoreland and and stuff like that um, where you have these bigger bodied linebackers that can try to hold down the edge, but also are playing a little little off the line. So, um, yeah, interested to see if that continues to be effective. At the very least, it can um, create a little bit of confusion uh, on opposing offensive lines, um, both from the fact that they haven't seen it on film very much from South Carolina this year. Uh, but also just in general, um, you're you're able to kind of shift uh, up front a good bit more when you have those three guys bouncing around um, on that second level. So yeah, I mean I hope that they they gotta try something. they we talked about how they hadn't really been creating pressure all year. They only had 11 sacks going into that game last week and then they had uh, three in the first 12 plays. so obviously it caught am off guard. The question is now that it's on film can you still have that same effect on the stretch
2: i think there's also an element of this too where if you look at what's the best what part of the defense has worked the best this year overall you'd probably say the linebackers right deba williams is probably your most consistent player i think you like what you've gotten out of stone Blanton. um you saw what you got out of uh, bam martin scott you're getting more snaps out of pub howard like the idea that you can have three linebackers on the field, that you can do some different things on some of those plays, um, get some different skill sets out there. You got Jared Willis. Uh, we've heard the word twitchy with him a couple times. He rush the passer. Uh, Debo Williams doing that kind of sideline to sideline thing. You can try some different things. If you have three linebackers out there, you can try some different things, whether that's Bam, Jaron, and Stone, or Bam, Jaron, and Debo, um, depending on the situation. Um, I definitely would I don't think that's going
1: away. Like I don't think you put that in for AM week. You know what I mean? Like that's that's probably here to stay after you found some success with it last week. No, I agree. Um and that's also those sorts of I guess momentum plays on defense uh make a bigger impact at home. I think we'll see down these last four games, uh the crowd make like you, you do that at, tech, at Texas AM and maybe you quiet the crowd for a play, play or two or whatever, um, but it's not going to have the same momentum swing uh, that it might have in these next four games. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, you got to find a way to make explosive play- plays on defense. They still have been very much underwhelming uh, turnovers wise. You got to create some turnovers on the stretch here, too. So, um, we'll have to see how that plays out. The uh, Normally, we. Uh, have the coordinator press conferences before we do the podcast, but uh, Alan is headed to Paris. We, oui, we oui, um, tomorrow, right? Tomorrow.
2: Yeah. Ted towards Atlanta today. Also, I got to interject here. Some men's basketball news. That I hate to share, but just dropped now, Colin Murray Boyles, a true freshman is out indefinitely with mono. He missed the exhibition or the Garnet black madness. Cause we knew he was sick last week. That's all Lamont Paris said that is now more than just sick. So hate that for him and best wishes on recovery.
1: Man, that's, that's too bad. And I actually just was seeing a lot of hype around him specifically yesterday. Um, some other outlets were talking a little bit about him and I believe he got named to like a freshman watch. List. Yeah. Um, that hurts. So, yeah. Uh, I've never had mono, but I had a friend in high school that had it and they were out, out of commission for like two months. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, we don't know how long he's at it and, and all that sort of thing. And you get to where you can be like somewhat athletic prior to that. But uh, there's sort of lingering um, fatigue and stuff with mono that, that lasts a long time. So uh, he probably will be able to play before too long. Will he be able to play a full game? Uh, it may take a, a, a little while before, maybe after the Christmas break or so before that. But we'll we'll see. I'm just speculating on that. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Oh, so yeah. Uh, what I was saying about the coordinators, uh, if you want to check out gamecocksgroup.com here in about an hour, when the coordinators press pressers start, uh, Alan will have live updates on the insiders forum for that. Uh, so you're not missing anything. You'll just have to get it through a little bit of a different venue this week. Um, knows what Pete Lumbo could say today, it could be anything. Uh, yeah. Uh, some of his. uh, uh, no, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 he's got some very fun uh, World War II banter sometimes. So we'll, we'll see if there's any uh, battle strategies. Oh, uh, one thing you, you you mentioned, Pete Limbo, and I guess one thing we didn't talk about on Monday that Shane Beamer talked about yesterday was just uh, some of the special teams plays that were really close. Um, and I remember seeing in real time, I believe South Carolina was only, they had gotten within 10 Mm-hmm. They had forced a punt on Texas A&M, and they're, like, inches away from a blocked punt. Account. I don't know how they didn't get it. They were in the right position. Yeah. They had a couple guys there. I don't, I don't even know how it didn't happen. Which, uh, like like Beamer said, it, maybe that doesn't make cha- change the result. Maybe it does. But if you somehow block that and run it back and it turns into a three-point game at that point, it's it would have been interesting. But, um, yeah, so you just – that goes back to the turnover point for the defense, but special teams, defense, you got to make some explosive plays. Probably not against Jacksonville State. You could probably win either way there. Um, but if you're going to win four straight, you're going to need – So I players. don't think we brought this up at all Monday. Jalen Kilgore is your new punt returner,
2: or at least he was last week with the Brown out. I like the look. I like um, trying something different. I don't think that says anything particularly great about Eddie Lewis, who also didn't play a snap on offense on Saturday despite making the trip. Um, And I think it just goes back to, again, the amount of trust the staff has in Jalen Kilgore, that you're putting a true freshman back there to catch a putt in front of 100,000 people.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. I also – uh we got word this morning that he made some – It's the – yeah, I just had the – shot.
2: it's the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year Award. He's a semifinalist, which I believe is 12 is where they cut the watch list to for the semifinal round.
1: Yeah, and so – um, I guess another another bright spot along the way uh, this season is uh, at a position that you already thought you had two young stars. Uh, now you have three.
2: Yeah, I, I think you – I think you. I don't want to say Kilgore's the best of them, but I think you maybe feel the best of him right now maybe. Um, also, yeah. just look at this watch list. You've got – just for the SEC players who actually made this cut, you've got Caleb Downs from Alabama – um, who was a five-star, you've got Torian York from a who I believe was also a five-star, and Kilgore. And in terms of SEC players on this freshman of the year watch list, that's it, just those three.
1: Yeah, I think another important thing uh, to keep in mind as we're thinking about the future, um, thinking about next year, assuming you hold on to the 2023 class, which, of course, you've lost – One uh in xavier mcleod in the last week or whatever um i actually think even though it was the highest rated of the beamer era thus far um you had 24 commitments that ended up being ranked number 17 by the rivals rankings um that might even be underselling it so um you think about about a guy like jalen kilgore who like you said is you know in this elite group of freshmen in the country uh he was a three-star in in that class um Judge Collier, three star, has already seen some some playing time as a freshman. Um, Connor Cox, three star, has already seen some playing time as a freshman. Trovan Baugh, three star, has already seen some playing time as a freshman. So, uh, in addition to all the upside four and five star guys that you had, you're already seeing some early contributions from the bottom, on, even though you know, <laughs> relatively speaking, but the bottom of that class. Um, so, yeah, holding them together holding this 2024 class, which does have all the, you know, uh, headlines and stuff uh, that you were looking for in that 2023 class uh, with tons of four and five stars. I think you are building. <laughs> I think they that you're building from the ground up in a way that's that's going to work. It's just can you weather the storm long enough to see it all come to fruition?
2: Yep, I think that's that goes back to what we talked about about holding the ship together, about keeping things kind of in place right now. And I think that's as good a place as any to transition to a little bit of Jack State. We haven't really talked much about the actual game happening Saturday. Um, I guess, what's your kind of initial take or first thought when you think of this game? South Carolina favored by 15 and a half right now.
1: Yeah, that line seems about right. Um Beamer did open his his press conference yesterday kind of cautioning that this is the same Jacksonville State team that beat Florida State 2 years ago, granted a much different Florida State, probably a little different Jacksonville State. Um as far as what to expect, uh you know, we we talked a little bit on Monday, Jacksonville State is 7 and 2, but really their two losses haven't been very close and they've been against the upper uh, the two best teams they played the two best teams they played good way to put it um which you know even those two teams in coastal and liberty you would think south carolina would be you know favored against at home so uh a little bit on, on what to expect from them they they run like a two quarterback system so zion webb uh is more of the dual threat uh quarterback he's got Uh, He's the second leading rusher for Jacksonville State, 82 carries, 460 yards and four touchdowns. He's got a long of 61, um, but he's also he he will throw the ball. Um, He's completed um, 62 passes for 70 or 744 yards this year. But his completion percentage is hovering around like 50 percent. So not the most accurate. He's got three touchdowns, three interceptions, um, some opportunities if uh, you can get him into obvious passing situations. And then I I say they have a a passing specialist quarterback in Logan Smothers, but he hasn't been lights out either. I mean, he's 57.3% completion percentage, uh, five touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, You know, uh, he's definitely the better passer of the two, but it's not like either of them are elite um, and super scary in the passing game. Uh, They run the ball pretty well, though. Like I said, 460 yards from the quarterback, 615 yards from their leading uh, running back. Um, and the, the throwing quarterback, Logan Smothers also has 255 yards. So it's not like he's 0% mobile either.
2: Yeah, I think that's about a good way to set this up. Um, dangerous opponent for sure. I think he talked about this game in a lot of the same terms. We talked about the Furman game in Jack state's probably one of the lower just talent wise FBS teams. Furman's obviously a top tier FCS team. This is Jacksonville State's first year as an FBS program. I don't know if they're up to 80 fast scholarships yet. Um, I know they obviously weren't there last year. I don't know what they added. Um, I think the other main thing to know here is they're going to go quick. They are second in the country in like least amount of time per snap. It's going to be a Tennessee-type offense. I'm looking at their game notes now. They're averaging 20.4 seconds per play, which is the second fastest in the country. Um, so they're going to go quick. They're going to try to do things. The only, I guess – Saving grace for the defense in a game like that is if they sub quarterbacks, you get to sub anything you want to. It's not gonna be like Tennessee where they're going to the line. If you get him in obvious passing down, if you get into a point where they need to change quarterbacks, then you can also sub defensively and keep guys fresh, get those three, three, five packages back in that we talked about. Um, and also this defense forces turnovers. We've got 11 picks this year in nine games. Um, you could say that's luck, you can say that South Carolina's do for those themselves, but and I think Spencer Rowler has been very good pretty much all year, other than when it's late in the game he has to push the ball and not turning the ball over. Um, but that's something else to keep an eye on too. Is that Jacksonville State can force turnovers and make this hairy with a couple short fields if they get a chance?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I could have just much easier, easier yeah. described it as it's a rich rod offense. Yeah, <laughs> it looks. Yeah. It looks like most of his offenses have uh, forever. Uh, they're going to run fast. The quarterback's going to be mobile. Um, it's going to spread you out, but spread you out to try to run the ball.
2: Yep, that's a good way to put it. They're going to try to do it quickly. Obviously, they're going to – it's kind of – again, it's going to be a test for this front, though. Um, I obviously – look, I still come back to kind of what we talked about Furman week is whatever scheme or talent your opponent has – Your linemen are still 30 or 48 pounds bigger in most cases. You should be able to move bodies in a game like this. Um, But it is still a test. Jacksonville State's offensive line is good. That defensive front, I believe, is leading Conference USA in sacks this season. They got 30 of them on the season. So it's a test for this front, but it's also one of those tests where if they don't pass it, I think you're more worried than you were before.
1: Yeah. um, I guess how do you see this one shaking out? Because I do think Jacksonville State probably – Gets a couple of big plays uh, that ends up keeping the kind of tight early. But like you said, I think South Carolina can simply outlast them. I think South Carolina should be able to run the ball in this game. Um, Mario Anderson should have a nice game if he continues to play like he has over the last month. Uh, And yeah, this this could be a a nice get right game, I guess, for your offensive line. uh, As you're trying to figure out who's healthy and who is going to be starting down the stretch of these last four games.
2: Yeah, I think – I guess my question here, and I'll I'll get to a prediction in a second. I think my question would be the obvious caveat being no injuries, which I think would be the worst case at all coming out of this game. What do you want to see? What would would make you feel better? What would be your palate cleanser? What do you need to see beyond the scoreboard from this game?
1: Uh, Running the ball effectively, getting some other wide receivers involved. Um, Nick Carver seemed like he – was right on the precipice of his coming out game. Still haven't gotten him a touchdown since that Furman game. Um, Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Um, that's right. So it'd be nice to, you know, sort of let him fully have a coming out party against what we think is probably an inferior opponent. Um, And then defensively, you're okay with giving up a few big plays here and there, but consistency on getting off the field on third and fourth down, which is something that they have struggled with in every loss that they've had all, all, all year this season. I think you can probably, you know, still get away with giving up some points to Jacksonville State, but you won't feel too good about the rest of the games on the stretch if this one ends up, you know. 31 to 24, or something crazy like that. Yeah,
2: I think my thing is, I think you hit the nail on the head. You need to see defense, you need to see people. You know, we'll see. We've talked about, okay, they've got pieces. They played well in spurts. They played well coming out of half of Mizzou. They started the game hot at AM. Four quarters, I mean, geez, even like three quarters of really solid defense, as long as the bottom doesn't totally fall out that other quarter. Just, I think the viewers use the word consistent. I think that's right. Just doing the right things, doing the things you're supposed to do. Um, I think cleaner football is my other one too. We talked about some of the kind of the miscues, the mistakes, the kick, catch, interference penalty, the 12 men on the field last week. Um, some of that just kind of simple stuff that you don't want to see your team doing by week nine. I think if you can cut some of that stout, stuff out this week against Jacksonville State, you, uh, you probably feel better about things.
1: Yeah. Along that same note, uh, cleaning up the drops. We talked yep. about some of the crucial drops that uh, happened last week. Um, and yeah, I mean, ideally, you'd you'd like to get enough of a lead in the fourth quarter that you see a little bit of that freshman movement—Lenora uh, Sellers, um, Tyshawn Russell, maybe even some Elijah Davis, whatever. But KD Shivers uh, up front, yeah. Just just starting to see uh, what you got in some, in some of those guys uh, as we go down the stretch and and start to move on and turn the page on the twenty twenty three season. That's not necessarily a requirement, though. Whatever. If you win comfortably by two or three scores, um, I think you you still feel pretty all right. Do you, do you have a specific score prediction on how you think it's going to go?
2: I haven't made one yet. I do think there's a very similar Furman-type field to this game, which I believe that was 47-21. I don't know if you're going to score into the 40s again because I think you're just trying to work on things on offense as much as you are just going out and dominating. I'll say, like, South Carolina, 34. 30- five Jacksonville state 17.
1: That sounds about right to me as well. I did. I was looking back at the, the Furman box score because I remember there being some hand-wringing on our forums and that's because uh, that one was tied seven to seven at the end of the first quarter. It wouldn't I see shock that me. Yeah. I would say yeah. it wouldn't shock me if it's, if it's something like that, again, a little bit of a slow start. Um, on, on both sides of the ball. Maybe uh, Jacksonville State hits a big play um, or a trick play or something like that and makes it interesting. Uh, but ultimately, I think you simply outlast them um, down the stretch. Uh, you mentioned that as you were heading into uh, media yesterday, you were able to hear the practice field a little bit and they seem to be putting an emphasis on fourth quarter. Yeah, finishing. I heard the word fourth quarter a few times. Sports. And I tend to think that uh, that's the storyline of this one is is you're just simply more talented, uh, have a little bit more depth than this G5 school you're playing. And I, I do think down the stretch in the late third and fourth quarter, uh, you pull away. So, yeah, uh, 35 to 20, just to give a different score. But I, I think you're probably spot on. Now, that's it. not a cover, though. That's 15 and a half is your number right
2: now. Mm.
1: Well, that's... Uh, It will not be in your parlay this week. They will not be in my parlay this week. I stopped betting on South Carolina (laughs) uh, early, 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 early on in the season. So they kept, they kept screwing me up. That's about Uh, all I had on Jack State. Yeah. uh, So on Saturday, it'll be me and intern Peyton and the live thread on gamecockscoop.com. Come hang out, talk some ball uh alan is going to paris and that game is on monday
2: monday i've got some fun stuff for y'all coming to some some features people people have already talked to you about it just keep keep your eyes peeled on the site over the weekend and going into that next that vanderbilt week. there's some good stuff coming
1: yeah so uh south Carolina playing notre dame uh the women's team uh in paris for those of you that didn't know on monday we will have all the coverage for that Uh, Men's basketball starts next week, or they start tonight. Exhibition tonight against Wofford. And
2: then the first game that counts is also Monday against USC Upstate. And I will be in Charlotte next Friday for their first Power 5 game, their first kind of big game against Virginia Tech, little Beamer Bowl on the hardwood.
1: Yeah, so for those of you that are – starting to check out on the 2023 football season, 23 through 23 basketball season is getting ready to go. Uh, If you go back in our YouTube channel or our Spotify feed or wherever you're listening, uh, you can see our basketball preview. Uh, It's in the title. I believe it was two episodes ago, but go back and check that out. Um, We will be back here uh, after the Jacksonville state game to talk a little bit more about that. I don't know if it'll be both of us or what we'll have to figure out time zones. Uh, and whether or not you're eating a croissant or what's going on over there. But um, we will have some content for you uh, following the Jacksonville State game. And uh, until next time, this has been the GamecockScoop.com podcast. We'll see you.